Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Norse and Germanic traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. And be warned, this episode features violence and depictions of war. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Loki, god of mischief, bringer of Ragnarok, confidently made his way through the ancient cavern Vaughn. Its name meant hope, and yet it was a gray and damp place, filled with fungi and invertebrates that had never seen the light of day. In the center was a river, its water strangely viscous. I can hardly fathom why Odin would give this horrible place such a noble name especially considering that he bound you here, my most worthy and beloved son. As Loki reached the end of the cavern, he found its prisoner, Fenrir. The wolf had grown. He now filled the massive chamber at the end of the cavern, almost as large as an entire city. You are prophesied to swallow Odin himself and then the entire world. You are my hope, if nothing else. I need it in these troubled times. Son, they killed your sister. The good news is, Odin is no more. Seems the prophecy will have to be tweaked. Don't worry, there will be plenty of foes to devour. Thor still stands, as does his son and Odin's most recent spawn. Not to mention Tyr and Heimdall. I need you and your brother now more than ever. We must destroy them all in one final battle. Ah, your chains. Gleipner, the silken fetter. No need to worry. Your papa's here, and he has a plan. Loki produced a file of glowing green liquid from beneath his armor. Your brother's venom. It can burn through anything, even a god, or these enchanted ribbons. He uncorked the bottle, holding it over each magic strand of silk. Come now, blood of mine, to Midgard, then Asgard and all the world tree. Loki climbed atop Fenrir's back, holding tightly to his fur. The wolf bounded away, carrying its father toward the exit of the cave and the final battle. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our third episode in our three-part series on Ragnarok, the twilight of the gods. Last week, we saw a shift from the original tale, Odin sacrificed the last of his power fighting Surtur rather than Fenrir, and in doing so, saved the world tree, at least momentarily. After he and his wife Freya departed, they left Odin's sons Vithar and Thor in a deadly predicament. Loki, thought dead, was still alive and marshalling the greatest army the world tree had ever seen. He didn't have Surtur's fire, but his sons, Fenrir the Wolf and Jormungandr the World Serpent, were still enough to destroy everything. Vithar must now grapple with his transition into godhood while preparing for the final battle. A battle where everyone and everything is prophesied to come to an end. Coming up, we'll see how the gods prepare for their doom. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey, welcome to Ikea, where even this desk is circular. Huh, how so? Looks pretty rectangular to me. It's because we're always looking to repair, reuse, and we love our products, like buying back your Ikea items for store credit, or shop our as-is section for great deals. You can even order free spare parts. Get on the circular path for a more sustainable future. Still a rectangle. Get started at ikea-usa.com slash circular. Visit ikea-usa.com slash circular for as-is information and buyback and resale terms and conditions. Spare parts not available for all products. The most exciting part of a vacation stay at a home rental? Easy. It's being greeted upon arrival with a rusted lockbox affixed to the underside of a stranger's condo. Yeah, you simply twist knobs, click gears, jiggle it, and then rip it off its moorings, and voila! Your prize is a key to a questionable home rental and maybe tetanus. When you just want to get your vacation started by actually getting into your room, it matters where you stay. At Hilton, we deliver your key right to your phone on the Hilton Honors app. Hilton for the stay. The gods of Asgard were gathered in the throne room of Valhalla. It had been adorned with ceremonial decor, red banners, boughs of evergreen. Overhead, the last surviving elves shimmered resplendently as they flew back and forth. All of the gods watched from the galleries as three young heroes made their way toward the throne. They proceeded solemnly, approaching the god emperor Thor. There was Skathi, the beautiful giantess, Magni, the golden son of Thor, and Vithar, the silent son of Odin. This man, Vithar, seeks to be recognized as one of the Aesir. Who supports him in this claim? I do. Magni, son of Thor. As do I, Skathi, daughter of Tiasi. Very well. Vithar, son of Odin. I grant you status as a child of the Aesir, with all the privileges that entails. Asgard will always be your home, and none of its inhabitants may raise a hand against you. Furthermore, I honor you with the gift to acknowledge your role in the rescue of the Allfather and the defeat of the giant Surtur. The sword, Hevenderbloth, forged by the last of the dwarves, those you saved from the jaws of Jormungandr. May it serve you well in the final battle. There is another gift, this one from the Aesir themselves. We bestow upon you this bracer. It will allow you to manifest your thoughts as written words and images. No longer must you type into that Midgard contraption. My people, lift your weapons in honor of this new god! That night, a feast was held in Thor's hall. Vithar, Magni, and Skavi sat at the head table. Thor was mysteriously absent. Vithar couldn't quite enjoy himself. There was far too much on his mind. He forced a smile as Skavi leaned across Magni to clink mugs of ale with him. <laughs> Your ascendancy to the ranks of the Aesir was even faster than mine, pup. I must admit, I was wrong about you. An apology from Scothy. <laughs> Rare indeed. <laughs> Do not expect another for a millennia or so. If we live that long. Fethar wasn't in so festive a mood. Using his new bracer, he asked them, What am I the god of? The words instantly appeared in blue smoke above his head. The question was important to him. He'd been wondering this since his apotheosis, and even after the ceremony, he still didn't have an answer. That is an interesting question. I've just always known, being Thor's son, I'm destined to be the next god of the storm. And I've always been good with a bow, a natural at traversing the mountains. It was obvious that I should be the god of such things. I'm sorry we don't have more of an answer. Is it really so important? You're still a god either way. Of course it's important. 
How is he to know who to bless? What things to look after? What function he plays? I think you're overreacting. Come over here, and I'll show you an overreaction. <laughs> I wish you would. The giantess leaned in, grabbing Magni. Vithar was surprised to see the pair being so touchy. They'd just been friends, last he knew. You two seem closer, he said. Ah, yes, well, uh, we had a lot of time alone while you and father were off looking for Odin. The world is ending. Skathi the Jantus will not waste a single moment. As they continued to manhandle one another, Vithar struggled to find somewhere else to look. As if on cue, the glowing forms of a few different gods and spirits parted, revealing a young woman staring into the fire. Vithar's breath caught in his chest. She was slight of stature, but exuded strength. Her golden hair was woven into tight braids around her head. An Odin pendant hung around her neck. She had large blue eyes that sparkled in the firelight. In a hall of glowing gods, she somehow shone the brightest. Who is that? He asked his friends. Hmm? Oh, that waifish thing? She is the new soul. Vithar was confused. The new soul? He asked. Yes, her mother got eaten by the wolf, Fenrir. And so she came into existence. Apparently there must always be a son. One of Odin's laws or some such. I would like to meet her, Vithar replied. Ah, it seems that our companion doesn't want to waste any time either, Skadi. Let's go make some introductions. Meanwhile, on the other side of the palace, Thor stood in a forgotten chamber, peering into a pool of swirling green water. Next to him, perched on the edge of the well, was the head of Kvasir, the wisest of all beings. There has to be another way. Do you know how annoying it is when you do that, lad? I'm just saying. You asked me for my wisdom, I gave it to you. Now you want to tell me I'm wrong? Not wrong, just missing something. It has to happen. It always happens. Go forth and meet your destiny with honor. But why? You won't know until you're there. More riddles. <laughs> Very well. I appreciate your counsel as always, Kavasir. Loki will attack at any moment. We must be ready. Aye. Let us turn our attention back to the army. I worry we do not have enough troops, but they'll have to do. Everyone else is dead. Hmm. What an interesting choice of words. Across Asgard, Vithar was elated. Sol led him onto a balcony so they could talk privately. He smiled as he nearly tripped over the doorway. She giggled at him. Outside, it was beautiful. The moon shone over the distant mountains. Do you miss your mother? Vithar asked. I did not know her. And yet, as I am her reincarnation, I suppose I know her as well as I know myself though my world tree is different from hers. My rays shine down on ruined realms. Vithar could see the look of longing in her eyes. He recognized it because he felt the same. War and death were all either of them had ever known. We will change fate, he said. We will win. How can you be so sure? Because I was born to do it, he said. She leaned in, cupping his cheek in her hand. I almost believe you when you say it. Many of the women are staying in Asgard during the final battle. But I would like to join you, if for no other reason than to die with you on the battlefield, rather than cowering here in Asgard. We'll fight together then, he said. Together. And then they kissed. Vithar, 
Vithar's soul jumped at Magni's sudden arrival. It's father. He has summoned the troops. Loki is on the move. Before Vithar could react, Sol grabbed his hand and dragged him toward the hall. They made their way to the grand terrace overlooking the fields of Asgard, where Thor and his lieutenants Kvasir and Heimdall looked out onto the assembled forces of the Aesir. Kinsmen, the day is at hand. The serpent has left Nidavellir and is on its way to Midgard. Take heart. We march for that realm to join one final time with our human compatriots. But father, we are not enough. Aye, and so first we will make a stop in hell. There are billions of souls there waiting for a chance at revenge. We will free them and then show Loki what we are made of. I am with you, father. As am I. And me, of course. And I. Vithar turned, surprised to see the delicate soul so animated. He nodded to Thor. Of course he was with him. Soon all of Asgard was alight with battle cries. Very well. Let it begin. Billions of Aesir and human spirits marched across the Rainbow Bridge. Their enchanted weapons and armor glistened in the light of the sun, the full glory of Asgard's warriors, battle-worn but resolute. When all were across, Thor turned, bringing his hammer down onto the bridge. It shattered, falling into the chasm below. If the Aesir failed, those left in Asgard would be that much safer. Loki would have no easy way in. But it wouldn't come to that. Vithar would make sure of it. Ahead of them, several robed Aesir Scyther practitioners walked ahead of the army. They cast runes into the air. Thousands of portals split open, revealing windows into the dark and dangerous realm of Helheim. There was no turning back now. They marched to Hell and then Ragnarok. Next, the final battle commences. Pinocchio, Sleeping Beauty, the Little Mermaid. They're all iconic Disney movies. But did you know the original versions of these stories did not end with a happily ever after? Hi, I'm Alastair from Parcast, and I'm hosting a new Spotify original called Once Upon a Time. For nine weeks, we're commemorating the 120th anniversary of original Imagineer Walt Disney's birth by lifting the curtain and comparing some of your favorite Disney stories with their earliest tellings. Once Upon a Time will chart Disney's career triumphs, as well as the crushing defeats that almost ruined it all. We'll also look at what it took to bring these stories to life and why Disney's adapted versions became so memorable across generations. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Once Upon a Time. Listen free and exclusively on Spotify. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The last thing you want to hear when you need your auto insurance most is... Thank you for calling. Please listen to your list of 46 possible service options. Which is why when you choose USAA Auto Insurance, you'll get great service that is easy and reliable. 24-7 online service for claims, access to roadside assistance, and more. All at the touch of a button. Start getting the service you deserve. Get a quote today. USAA. Ability to receive a quote depends on membership eligibility. Membership eligibility and product restrictions apply and are subject to change. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliate, San Antonio, Texas. Now back to the story.
Tyr, the god of war, wished he was the god of anything else. Battle used to call to him. It was a crucible by which new societies, new worlds were born. But there was no element of creation in this battle. Here on Midgard, he had led the humans in their fight against the deceiver for centuries. And today, they were losing. It had started with a storm. Tyr was holding off a small contingent of Jotun. He'd found it suspicious that there were so few. Suddenly, the wind picked up all around them. The sun was obscured by black clouds. It was the prophesied Fimble Winter. Their doom was at hand. The snow began to fall. It continued at an exponential rate, blanketing the ground and Tyr's troops within minutes. Despite his magical armor and divine constitution, he was chilled to the bone. Then the enemy came. The giants attacked without mercy, pouring over them with the same intensity as the snow. Far to the rear of this army, Tyr saw something he had hoped to never see again in his long life, Fenrir, the world-eating wolf. He had once shared a bond with the canine many millennia ago. He'd tried to save it from imprisonment, thought that perhaps it was misunderstood as he was. But in the end, the god's folly had meant that the wolf was locked away in a dark cavern beneath Midgard, and Tyr lost his hand in the process. He now sported a gleaming energy sword in its place. Though the appearance of Fenrir filled Tyr with dread, he continued to fight. The humans and his fellow Aesir fell all around him. Above, the United Midgard Air Force was decimated by the undead dragon, Neathhogger. It was massive, able to destroy a hundred jets simply by expanding its wings. When it used its jaws or its fiery breath, this was just for show. The dragon was playing with its food. Tyr's own breath grew ragged. He had never fought so hard in all his life. His sword swings became erratic. His footing faltered. For every giant he slayed, three more took its place. Across the field, Loki watched from Fenrir's back. Oh, Tyr. Always fighting battles you can't win. Isn't that right, Fenrir? Loki was surrounded by his strong warriors. There were his Jotun generals, Skrymir and Blodugada. They used their combined magic to maintain the storm. Behind them were Fenrir's offspring, the lesser hounds of hell. And behind them, waiting in the darkness, was Loki's third child, it coiled, waiting to strike. Loki ignored it for now, giving his love to Fenrir. I'd let you finish Tyr off, Fenrir, but he's hardly worth your time. We'll send one of your offspring, perhaps Garma. Then we'll go to Asgard, and you'll be able to snack on all the gods you could ever want. Loki cupped his hands, shouting at Tyr. Odin is dead. Thor cowers in Asgard. Your god emperor has abandoned you. The end has come. Despair and die. You hear me, Tyr? No one is coming to. Suddenly, streaks of lightning cut through the blackness of the snowstorm. Wait, what is that? He turned to his generals. They shrugged. Loki and the giants were momentarily blinded as a multitude of glistening magic portals opened across the battlefield. As Loki's vision cleared, he saw the impossible. Thor and all his kin had arrived. No! 
<sighs> I thought for sure they'd stay in Asgard. Well, no matter. Even their armies cannot stand up to mine. As if in answer to Loki's boast, billions of skeleton warriors came pouring out behind Thor's army. They were the long-dead shades of Helheim, liberated from their fate after the death of Hel, Loki's daughter. They fell upon the giants in droves, pushing them away from Tyr's remaining band. Behind them, the gods descended from the clouds, floating down to the survivors. There was Thor, Heimdall, and many more. For the first time, Tyr knew what it was to be a mortal looking upon the face of the divine. Vithar hovered just behind the god emperor. Seeing his war-torn homeland from this angle somehow made it even worse. There were so many bodies. Loki's army was impossibly big. He could see the deceiver far at the rear. He could see Fenrir, Loki's wolf son. It was the biggest creature in all the world tree. Vithar flashed back to the last time he was here, and fear filled his heart as he remembered nearly dying at the hands of Hel. Would this time be any different? He tried to hide his fear as they touched down. Thor addressed the awestruck Tyr. Cousin, it is good to see you. Here, on the slopes where Vithar's ancestors fought, we will stop the forces of the Deceiver once and for all! Tyr was speechless, and so Thor's son Magni stepped in. But father, what will we do about the world's serpent? Leave him to me. And the other beasts? I would think them no match for my son and his band of heroes. It was said that Fenrir would slay Odin. That has already failed to happen. Perhaps Vithar can prove the fates even more wrong and slay the beasts. Magni and Skathi beamed with pride, but Vithar's dread only grew. Thor saw his concern and pulled him to the side. Vithar, I see fear in your eyes. I lost my last battle, he thought, the words appearing in the smoke around him. Ah, <sighs> you know, the old Thor would have tried to regale you with stories of the hundreds of times I was up against a wall and prevailed. But all my adventure seems so stupid now. Wasted time when I could have been at home with Sif. Could have been raising Magni. All I could tell you is to fight for your own future. Not for the World Tree, not for Midgard or Asgard. Fight for love and children and the thought of a home that isn't covered in ice. That's how we'll win. Vithar thought about this. He thought of Hell, where he'd had a vision of a life that wasn't his, but that he desperately wanted. Perhaps, perhaps that illusion could one day become reality. He looked to Sol and was filled with hope. <laughs> But the sudden sound of Fenrir's terrible howl dimmed his spirits. All looked into the snowy black abyss. The rest of Loki's army was coming. Vithar's hope faded. Father, they're getting close. Thor summoned Magni over. He clasped both his son and half-brother on the shoulder. Boys, this is it. Hold nothing back. I believe in you. And with that, he turned, moving to the head of the army. Shields! The armies of the dead rushed forward, forming a shield wall. Archers! Riflemen! Human and Aesir alike lined up behind them, lifting bows and rifles, Skathi at their head. Behind them, Magni and Vithar readied the rest of the infantry. Form up, form up, be ready to fill the gaps. They turned and readied their own weapons. Magni used an ax, and Vithar drew his new sword, Hevenderbloth. It glowed golden in his hand. Sol appeared by his side, her golden touch on his wrist reassuring him. I am with you. 
The army grew quiet as they waited. It started slowly, the distant rumble of footsteps. Steady! There! On the horizon! Scotty, what do you see? My former kin. A horde of giants. How many? All of them. Ready weapons! Ready! Fire! Projectiles rained down on the giants, slowing their advance. But only for a moment, soon the giants collided with the shield wall. Thor began smashing the giants with Mjolnir. Next to him, Tyr sliced them with his sword hand. Behind them, Skadi loosed arrow after arrow. Magni, Vithar, and Sol waited a few rows back prepared to join as soon as there was an opening, but they wouldn't get a chance. Overhead, the first of Loki's monsters arrived. It was Neathogger, the undead dragon, finished with its aerial enemies. It rained fire down upon their ranks. Heimdall, go! The Watchman of the Gods nodded. He held his great sword aloft, using its magic to propel himself toward the monster. He caught it on the side of its face, sending it reeling as both flew up into the clouds and out of sight. But no sooner had this beast disappeared than another took its place. It was Garmer, the Hound of Hell, set free by Loki. It was not as big as Fenrir, but its fangs and fearsome appearance were just as terrifying. It rushed the shield wall, plowing through humans, Aesir, and undead alike. Men screamed as they were killed or re-killed by the power of its snapping jaws. Your destiny has arrived! Thor's cousin complied. He jumped on the beast, stabbing it in the neck. This was not the hound that had taken his hand, but it would do. As terrible as these horrors were, Loki had much worse in store. Next were the Mega Jotun, the largest of the giants. They smashed through what was left of the shield wall, sending soldiers flying with swipes from their building-sized arms. The battle had finally reached Vithar and Magni. Attack! They leapt forward and onto the Mega Jotun's legs, stabbing furiously with their blades. Vithar's old rifle would have never been enough to fell one of these creatures. But Hevenderbloth was more than up to the task. It slashed through the thick hide like paper, drawing rivers of black blood. As the giant faltered, Magni and Vithar used their god strength to push it forward, sending it crashing down onto the giant horde. Immediately, both started to climb. Vithar flashed back once again to the horrors of his first battle on this plane. He had done this before. But once again, there was no way but forward. 
They stood atop the corpse, fending off giant after giant. Nearby, Thor was awash in a sea of giants, using his lightning and hammer to incinerate them or pound them to a bloody pulp. He saw the younger gods atop the felled Megajotun and smiled with pride. As he cleared the space around him of giants, he closed his eyes. It was time he could feel it. The universe would be left in good hands. His eyes flew open. They searched the cold dark. There, the creature was coming. The darkness churned with scaled coils of green, seemingly moving closer and closer until it was upon them. Jormungandr burst out of the clouds, its fangs bared. It unleashed poison onto the battlefield, dissolving friend and foe alike. No, not another soul. You hear me, monster? I should have skinned you in your nest. He readied Mjolnir. The lightning crackled around him. Have at thee! Coming up, Thor embraces his destiny. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Now, back to the story. Ragnarok, the final battle, raged across the plains of Midgard. Though the gods had arrived to fight Loki's forces, their victory was far from assured. Jormungandr, Loki's monstrous serpent offspring, had arrived. Thor flew forward, Mjolnir guiding him. He struck the snake between the eyes, sending it toppling over. It squirmed amongst the giants, crushing them by the thousands. Thor did not let up. He flew underneath its jaw, grabbing it around the neck and yanking it upwards. He flew the snake across the battlefield, past scores of fighters, until he reached the shore. He threw the monster into the ocean, sending a tsunami onto the beach, flooding the giant's ranks. Thousands of giants choked and splashed, fighting against an impossibly strong current. Thor continued his assault. He dove beneath the waves, smashing the beast about the face over and over. His blows broke through the snake's scales, sending them flying into the ocean's abyss. Soon he drew blood, hacking flesh from the beast. Its poison began to leak into the sea, causing it to bubble. Thor swore to himself this wasn't enough. He'd be dissolved and Jormungandr would go on fighting. He swam forward, grabbing it around the neck again. The poison stung his arms and face, 
but he endured. He hoisted the monster back up and out of the water and into the snow-filled skies. He tossed it even higher as it floated momentarily in the air. He took the opportunity to fly back and forth, smashing it over and over, taking out more chunks of its flesh. He ignored his stinging skin as more poison landed on him. He ignored the bitter cold. Then he lifted his hammer, summoning the storm. Lightning struck the serpent from all around, singeing it on all sides, charring its skin. With a final blow, Thor sent the snake hurtling back down to Earth. It passed through cloud after cloud until finally the writhing horde of giants appeared below. The snake collided with the battlefield, sending waves of debris flying in all directions. Thousands of giants were crushed and more were bowled over by the impact. On the front, several Aesir threw up protective spells to keep the wave from reaching their forces. They watched as the giants writhed in pain on the other side of the barrier. Skathi was heartbroken. My people. What fools you were to be led astray. Vithar and Magni joined her, covered in black giant's blood. They watched as the cloud dissipated and the battlefield came into view. The snowy darkness parted. Light burst through the clouds. All looked to see Sol floating above. I got sick of not being able to see anything. She was a good find, Vithar. I think she's too good for you. They could now see for miles. It appeared that they were actually winning. They could see the scrambling remains of Loki's forces, bodies stacked several feet high, covered in snow, seaweed, and dirt. And at the center, the great world serpent, finally dead. Atop its body, a figure emerged. Father! It was Thor. Green scars ran like rivers across his skin. A red gash stretched across half his face. As he saw his son alive, he smiled. It was as Kvasir had said. His destiny was to slay the world serpent and be slain in turn. He had done it for Magni, for Vithar and Skathi and all the young of the world tree, for his children. He smiled as he tumbled forward off the snake down onto the battlefield. The god of storms was no more. No! Magni dashed across the battlefield, ignoring any potential danger. He reached Thor's body, cradling it in his arms. I am sorry, Papa. I should have helped you. Vithar and Skathi arrived behind him, placing a hand on his shoulders. However, though they were exhausted and grieving, the battle was not yet over. The last wave of Loki's army was approaching, including the Deceiver himself. He rode upon the back of Fenrir, the last and greatest of his children. It towered over them, larger than even the serpent. Its jaws could swallow the battlefield in one bite. Loki, clad in his black armor, surveyed the area. His eyes fell upon the remains of Jormungandr. My child. Fenrir lowered his head so that Loki could get a better view of the carnage. As more came into view, he saw the gods huddled at the base of the snake's remains. He smiled at the sight of Thor's corpse. 
Finally, after so many eons, I was beginning to suspect it wasn't possible. I like him better this way. Bastard! Do not speak of my father! He saved as many lives as you have taken! Ha! <laughs> not so fast, godling. They won't be saved once I'm through. Look around you! Your forces are decimated! You've lost just as much. If my sight doesn't fail me, there's Tyr over there. Oh my. Seems he's lost his other hand. The gods turned to where Loki pointed. The beast Garmer was dead, but so was Tyr. The monster had bitten off his other hand and taken a chunk out of his side. Tyr's sword hand was embedded in its eye. And is that... Why, yes, my old friend Heimdall taking a swim. Once again, they looked. The dragon Neathhogger was sinking into the poison sea, but so was Heimdall, his glittering armor melting in the acid waves. The ocean's boiling, running onto land. The endless winter is here. The gods are dying. Sure feels like I'm winning. We'll never stop, deceiver. Oh, very well. Lodegarda, you take the giantess. Screamir, I care not for Thor's pathetic offspring. Finish him. I'll handle Odin's son. It only seems right. In an instant, the giants were on them. Blodugada scooped Skathi up, tossing her across the battlefield and chasing after her. Screamir cast a spell on Magni, transporting them both to a realm of darkness. Loki and Vithar were left alone, along with Fenrir and the onlooking armies. When we last met, you seemed ready to show me what you're made of. Vithar, isn't it? What exactly are you the god of? Vithar didn't answer. This monster had taken everything from him and seemed poised to take everything from everyone. Ah... A silent god. Is that what you are? The god of mutes? An anger rose inside of Vithar. This time would be different. It had to be. He was a god. He remembered Thor's words. All I could tell you is to fight for your own future. Not for the world tree. Not for Midgard or Asgard. Fight for love and children and the thought of a home that isn't covered in ice. Letting out an internal battle cry, he leapt at Loki. But to Fenrir, he was a gnat. The wolf lifted a paw, swiping Vithar to the side. <laughs> Even easier than I thought. Come, Fenrir. Let's finish him. The Aesir army watched in horror as the wolf stalked toward Vithar, pinning him beneath its paw. Sol was filled with dread. To see this brave god put himself between them and the wolf was truly inspiring. He was young, but as courageous as Thor or Odin had ever been. She knew they were helpless against the wolf, but she had to do something. This beast killed her mother, and soon it would devour all life. It occurred to her that as a new god, Vithar had no patronage, no worshippers. He'd never been prayed to. This felt wrong. If he was to fall this day, he should not go unmourned. Aesir of Asgard and humans of Midgard, our champions lie dead or dying upon the battlefield. Only Vithar, son of Odin, remains. He is weak. We can offer only our prayers. Pray to him. Pray to Vithar. Pray so that whatever strength is left within him might not fail. She bowed her head, clutching the Odin pendant around her neck. She prayed to Vithar, prayed that he would save them. The others were hesitant at first, too afraid. But Thor had shut the bridge behind them and Midgard was overrun. This was their only chance. 
And so, slowly, heads began to bow. It spread like a ripple through the army. Soon, all the remaining warriors were praying to Vithar. Back at the center of the battlefield, Vithar felt something stir inside him. The overwhelming pain from Fenrir's paw on top of him faded. He felt warm light radiating from his center, as when he had first been made a god. But this time, it did not fade quickly. It grew warmer and warmer, spreading through his body. His golden skin turned a resplendent blue. He could feel it, could feel the millions, if not billions, praying to him, putting all of their hopes in him. They had all experienced death. They'd lost those they loved to the deceiver. They resented Loki for every miserable moment he'd put them through. Yes, they wanted to be saved. They wanted this war to end. But above all else, their true heart's desire? Vengeance. And just like that, Vithar finally understood what he was the god of. Go, Vithar, god of vengeance! Avenge us! His sword lay just a few inches from his hand. He reached out and grabbed it, igniting it with his blue glow. Driven by the prayers of his followers, he lifted his shoulders, pushing the wolf off him. He whipped around, slashing the wolf's paw in two. Fenrir jumped, throwing Loki from his back. The deceiver tumbled down and onto a pile of bodies. You dare strike my remaining child. I will end you. I will end all of you. As he picked himself up off the ground, he noticed the newly powerful Vithar glowing blue. Oh, I hate it when they go all blue like that. Vithar no longer doubted that he could defeat the monster. The rage that drove him and every living thing would not be denied. He flew upward toward the massive jaws of the limping beast. It tried to snap him up in its jaws, but he brought his sword up. Its upper fangs shattered when they hit the blade. He landed in its mouth, slashing at its writhing tongue. As he waded through a river of saliva, he began to slam his foot down into its jaw. It continued to howl in pain as he stamped and stamped, breaking its jawbone and forcing it to the ground. As it crashed to the battlefield, he threw himself backwards out of its mouth. Then he leapt up and on top of its skull. Raising his sword high, he drove it into the monster's brain. No, no, no! You stupid animal! You can't defeat one small god! Vithar turned to face Loki. He had a power in his eyes now. He was transformed. <laughs> Maybe we could come to some sort of an agreement. Vithar's eyes flashed from blue to red. He flew forward. Loki met his blade. He blocked as fast as he could. But Vithar moved at the speed of light. For once, it was Loki who could not keep up. Vithar broke through his defense, thrusting his blade into Loki's shoulder, pinning him to the ground. He knocked Loki's helmet off and began driving his fist into Loki's face over and over. He finally stopped, but only after he'd punched Loki 43 times, the number of men in his old military unit. I never, I never created anything like you. Vithar gave him a look of confusion, not sure what he meant. 
Everything I created, or my children, were monsters. Odin made you, and you're perfect. Uh, you were his van, his hope. He always knew you'd win. Vithar thought, and his words came into being. Thor cared more than Odin. Yeah, same difference. One begat the other. Point is, they all led to you. My children. I... I loved them once. But somehow, I... Well... <laughs> Ragnarok makes you forget... a lot of things. Vithar asked him, then why do it? It's just... It's just in my nature. Maybe Odin will finally get through to me, one of these cycles. I hope next time... I hope next time we might meet on this field as friends. Vithar shook his head. He didn't have anything more to say. If nothing else, vengeance is silent. He then pulled the sword from Loki's shoulder and drove it into Loki's heart. That's fair. Would have done the same thing myself. <laughs> At the other end of the field, the giants saw Loki defeated and fled in terror. Nearby, Skadi was winning her own battle. She had fired arrows into 867 of Blodugada's 900 heads. She grabbed more arrows from the field whenever she ran out. Vithar joined her, helping to lop off the remaining heads. Next to them, a portal suddenly opened and Magni fell out, covered in a strange blue goo. He had Screamir's head in his hand. Where have you been? I don't want to talk about it. He surveyed the battlefield, saw the corpse of Fenrir, and then Loki. Wait, you did it? Vithar, you... Oh. He saw Vithar's new iridescent form. You're... You're not changed like Freya, are you? Vithar stared at them, an empty look on his face. He held it for a long moment. Then he cracked a smile. I'm still me. I just have more followers than you now. In the days that followed, Vithar, Magni, Skadi, and Sol went about repairing the earth. Skadi used her connection to the mountains to make the charred ground fertile once more. Sol used her rays to regrow the fields and forests. Magni, having inherited his father's power, used storms to purify the oceans of Jormungandr's poison. And Vithar used the wisdom he'd inherited from Odin to reform the society of men. And he used his newfound powers to enforce its laws. He allowed the remaining giants to return to Jotunheim, but sealed the portal behind them and forbade them from ever returning. The four new gods took the bodies of the old gods and sent them with the Aesir back to Asgard. Their combined powers were enough to reform the Rainbow Bridge and allow re-entrance. Thor, Tyr, Heimdall, even Loki were all interred in Valhalla. Asgard was now populated with the formerly damned, who obeyed and respected Vithar for holding to Thor's bargain. But Vithar decided that any newly dead humans would be judged the same as before. The honorable would be brought to Asgard, and the dishonorable sent to hell. But it would be a place of justice and reflection, not the land of nightmares that the goddess Hell had once made it into. For his role in defeating the Deceiver and saving the realms, Vithar was crowned King of Asgard, and Sol agreed to be his queen. 
Their children, as well as the children of Magni and Skadi, populated the next pantheon of gods. Thus ended Ragnarok, the twilight of the gods, which this time led not to the restarting of the universe, nor the end of all that is, but something different. Though Odin's machinations had not all gone to plan, they had been enough. An alliance with Midgard, a compassionate Thor, and the early defeat of Surtur finally put an end to the cycle. Or at least kept this one going. For as long as there are men in Midgard and gods in Asgard, there will always be the chance that things may once again go awry. There are a few different versions of the Ragnarok myth, all contain some of the same basic components. Loki and his children break free of their prisons, heralding the apocalypse. Odin, Thor, Tyr, and Heimdall fight them, each dying one by one against a different monster, or Loki himself, who also dies, but not before he watches the whole world burn in Surtur's fire. Vithar, Odin's mysterious, silent son, gets revenge for Odin by slaying Fenrir the wolf. But aside from that, accounts differ. The prose and poetic Eddas list different gods as surviving. These include gods such as Vithar, Magni, and even Baldr, who returns from Hell after the fall of the gods. In some versions, they build a new world on the site of the destroyed Asgard. In others, a new all-powerful deity comes to rule, clearly a later Christian addition. And others still say that no one survives and the world is totally obliterated. For our version, we felt that a more optimistic ending was due, considering the troubled times we live in. The ancient Norse peoples who believed these myths had their own troubles. Their lives were full of violence, disease, and hunger. Perhaps for them, the idea of an apocalyptic end to all things was comforting. Regardless, this concludes our exploration of Norse mythology, or at least the stories concerning its main pantheon of gods. We'd like to thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the various connections between chapters. Our version of Loki in particular has made a long journey from the very first episodes of our show. Now we finally lay him to rest. Though with a trickster like Loki, you can never be sure. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into the dark origins of both iconic and obscure fables. We'll be back Tuesday with another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Greg Castro, with writing assistance by Robert Teamstra and Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Joe Hernandez, Melissa Medina, Alastair Murden, and Kim Lynn Tran. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Walt Disney had a gift for storytelling that resonated with audiences. From a puppet who wanted to become a real boy, to a mermaid who yearned to be part of the human world, Disney has developed relatable and unforgettable characters. Hi, it's Alastair from Parcast. Join me for Once Upon a Time, a special collection of Parcast episodes celebrating the original Imagineer himself, 
as well as the origins of Disney's most iconic characters and stories. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Once Upon a Time, and catch new episodes Mondays, free and only on Spotify.